Hi there, it's Melanie White here with another episode of the Habitology Podcast and today I want to talk all about planning. I know that you know that planning is essential for success in any area of life, but a lot of people get it wrong. So I wanted to walk you through a step-by-step process for planning effectively so that you can get the results that you want to get in life, kick big goals and feel totally in control and all over it. That's what we're going to cover in this episode. It's going to be super actionable. So if you want to be a ninja at planning, I suggest you grab a pen and paper if you need to, if you're able to, and write some notes. Let's start with the why. Why bother planning? Well, there's a really good reason, and I think the most important reason is that plans are the framework and the step-by-step process for you to get the results that you want. They're the framework and the step-by-step process for you to get whatever you want in life. Think about that for a moment. Imagine that you wanted to lose 10 kilos. Imagine if you wanted to create $50,000 in income. Any of those things require a plan. And the best thing is that once you've got a plan, you don't have to think about it all the time. You don't have to wonder what's coming next. You don't have to wonder what to eat. You don't have to think about what you're gonna do on a Monday morning. All of that stuff is taken care of because you've created a detailed, specific plan All you have to do is switch off your brain, go back onto autopilot and follow it. And, you know, so many people don't get it right. That's why I think a big reason why so many people are in debt. So many people are overweight. Planning is critical to both of those outcomes. And it's not the whole reason, but it's a big part of it. And I think, you know, without a plan, you can end up overwhelmed, you might procrastinate, or you may never achieve your goals. So the best thing about the plan is that it helps you to avoid overwhelm and procrastination. And it helps you to achieve your goals just about every time if you get them right. Also, when life is busy, we reach a state called decision fatigue. We all get stressed because there's so much that we have to do and so many responsibilities that we have. And decision fatigue hits early in the day. We have room for perhaps about 10 decisions a day and then we're done. So unless you've got a plan to just look at and follow, you're going to be stuck trying to make decisions when your brain's already overloaded. So there's another good reason to create plans. One of my clients said it best to me very recently. She said when she has a plan in place, she can go back to autopilot mode and just get it done and follow the plan and get the results. And without that plan, she tends to struggle. So I'm pretty sure you're convinced now, as am I, that plans are important. So I wanna talk you through the exact stages of planning. And there are three stages to planning, and then the, and there's a fourth, which is implementing. So I'm gonna go through each of these now. The first stage of planning is preparing to plan. I know you're probably thinking, don't you just sit down and start writing? <laughs> no. The reason is that your brain has to be open, relaxed, calm and creative for you to be able to get the right level of planning and detail in the plan, to be able to think of all the things that could get in the way and be clear on the outcomes you want. If you're rushed or feeling stressed, that won't work. And of course it depends on the level of plan that you need to make. If you're planning when you're going to pick the kids up from school or what you might make for dinner, Perhaps that's okay to do on the fly, but I'm talking about a bigger picture project here, something that you want to achieve in three months. For example, like the the goals I mentioned, 
maybe you want to lose five kilos, maybe you want to create $5,000 in income in the next three months. So that bigger picture level of plan requires some preparation. You have to get into that calm, creative zone. And if you're a coach listening to this, you know that it's exactly what you would do before you go into a session with a client, the same sort of thing. And there are four things that you can do to prepare to plan. Thing number one, schedule enough time to make the plan. That way you're not rushed and you know exactly that you've got plenty of time and you can be calm and relaxed in that planning period. I suggest an hour is a good amount of time to set aside. The next thing to do is to get into the headspace, to get into the mood to plan. Figure out which day or time is best and what sorts of environmental cues could get you in the mood. Maybe you'd like to listen to a positive podcast first or some music. Maybe you'd like to go for a walk or do some exercise. I like to get up on a Monday morning after a refreshing weekend, not being anywhere near my computer, and I'm totally calm and clear, ready to work and ready to think creatively. So the first thing I do is plan before even switching on my email because I know that that will suck me into the vortex of stress, potentially. So pick your time to get the creative focus and headspace that you need and set yourself up for that. The next part is to start with the end in mind. Now, once again, I'm talking about more the project level things like you have a bigger goal about losing weight or earning money or something like that, changing careers. I think it's really important that you're connected to the outcome. It's what you want and it's important to you. So brainstorming your vision around what the outcome might look and feel like is important so that you firstly know it's what you want and secondly, that you feel really, really connected to it and you can see the results because the more you believe that you can get those results, the more likely you will succeed. So if, you, if you've never earned $5,000 in three months or if you've never lost five kilos in three months, it's really important that you imagine yourself being in that place and doing those things that you would do if you had those things and to get in touch with what, what that's like. So that vision is pretty important, maybe less so for the day-to-day -day stuff, but then again, actually, now I'm gonna change my mind on that. You know, we often push things to the side, like exercise or perhaps the meal plan, and I'm gonna suggest that when you are clear on why you're doing it, it's gonna be easier to find the motivation to do it, no matter what the size of the task. Then the last point, the fourth point, after you've created that big picture ending is to say, you know, why am I doing this task? It sounds kind of crazy, but we often do things that we think we should, but maybe don't need to do or don't need to do now. You know, you might decide that you're going to spend the weekend clearing out a closet, but in time for Christmas, but Christmas is four weeks ago and this four weeks to come and there's something more urgent for you to be doing right now so think realistically do you need to do it right now or does it need to be done at all or could you get people to help you could you delegate it think about whether you're spending your time effectively is what i'm saying so that's that last point get the rationale around the vision so to get prepared just to recap that first step schedule enough time get yourself into the mood for planning get connected to the vision of what the end goal will be and explore the rationale to make sure it's realistic, achievable, doable, and makes sense to do. That's stage one of planning. You can see why it's important, right? Stage two is drafting the plan, and there are several points here to go through. 
Firstly, you've got to plug in the essential day-to-day -day commitments first. Let's say you're going over on holidays in July for two weeks, you've got to plug that in. Let's say that you have soccer pickup on a Thursday afternoon with kids, you've got to plug that in. Let's say that you want to exercise three days a week in the morning, you've got to plug that in. All of that not negotiable stuff goes first. And that's the that's day-to-day the -day regular stuff that you need to do. And if you've got to fit a project in after that, you've got the remaining time available to work out. So put all your essential day-to-day -day stuff in first that you're committed to doing, and then you can start thinking about anything new or the bigger picture projects that you want to add. So once you've plugged that day-to-day -day stuff in, um, you know that you're going to feel in control and calm. Because you know one of the first stages of overwhelm is that sense that, gee, I'm not even eating properly. I'm not even exercising anymore. Those little things are the things that make you feel overwhelmed because you're not doing them. So making sure that they're in there first is the first step. Um, so the next step is to brainstorm your new habit, your new actions or your project, whatever it is, so that you're clear on exactly, exactly and specifically what needs to be done. If it's a project level thing, like let's say you want to create $5,000 of income or to lose five kilos, you've got to get prepared for what you need to do, which could be you know buying exercise clothes or buying food or getting a business consultant or developing a business plan. So there's preparing, there's starting the project, there's doing the project and there's finishing it. And that's the four sections that need to be done, the work that needs to be done in your plan. How are you going to prepare to do your plan? What are you going to get started with? How are you going to implement it? And what will you finish with? So you've got to flesh those things out. And it's important to get highly specific in the detail there. An example is I had this task that I wanted to review my website. And I wrote that in as a single two hour task in my diary once and I snoozed it for 40 weeks thereafter because I didn't know when I got to it what that even meant. What I didn't do was brainstorm. So when I had this review the website, I broke it down, review the homepage and change the text to suit a different sort of client. Then I had reviewed the shop page and changed my prices and reduced the things that I'm no longer selling. So I itemised those tasks. And then beyond that, I figured out which ones I would be doing and which ones I needed help with. And that's actually the next thing, is to say, you know, what are the things that you're going to do and which things might you need help with? Because when you anticipate needing help, you're not going to get stuck with an obstacle later on. You can plan around what you need to do. So get highly specific in the detail. Then estimate how long each of the small tasks will take and when you'll be completing them. Using my website example, I decided that I would spend two hours cleaning up the homepage text and I scheduled that for a Friday. And then I was super clear that I wanted to shorten the text and change the language and I didn't need to do anything else. That was a standalone smallest unit task that I could possibly come up with. And that meant that I could more easily set a specific time aside just to do that task. Once you've got your list of specific tasks and you've just brain dumped them onto a piece of paper and worked out all of the single things that need to be do done, you can prioritise them. And I like to prioritise based on um, things that 
uh, might be dependent on other things. So if I've got to contact a graphic designer to make a logo for me, or if I've got to contact a personal trainer to work with me, or I've got to develop a meal plan, that's going to take some thinking work and it might sometimes rely on other people. So I might schedule that task earlier in the whole life of the project. So it's really important that you're clear on what needs to be done first and what makes sense to do in a logical order. The other thing that's really helpful and the next point is to create milestones along the way so you can measure to see how you're going and whether you're still on track. For example, let's look at the weight goal. Let's say that you wanted to lose five kilos in three months. I might say that you check in once a month and in that month you check in and you decide, okay, oh, well, I'm still losing weight, so this is working, or I'm not losing weight, I need to do something. So checking in with your milestones allows you to review and revise your plan and make changes as necessary. So they're the points at which, when you actually come to those milestones, once a month or whenever they are, that gives you the opportunity to check in with yourself and see what needs changing. And the last point, after you've got all those things you know, mapped out and drafted out, is to reality check each of them. Think about the obstacles that might come up. Time, money, decisions, situations, other commitments, other people. Unexpected things that might suddenly show up and get in the way of you attending the gym four days a week or whatever it is. I would say for unknowns and particularly around tasks that you've never done before, double the amount of time that you think you might need and you're probably much closer to reality. Remember that you might need to problem solve at the time. The last step of planning is scheduling the plan. Once you're pretty sure that you have all your tasks in place in enough detail with the right time and in the right order, you're ready to actually put them into your diary to make them happen or your online calendar or whatever you're using. I like to use a hard copy diary so that I can, I'm looking behind me, it's on my desk, so I can see what's coming up for the week, but I also have an electronic one for when I'm on the run. So I'd start with plugging the milestones into your diary so that you know that's when you're going to review progress against your plan and then schedule all the individual tasks into your diary around your existing commitments. Check that you're doing one project-related task per day. Life has your regular commitments and responsibilities plus a bunch of unknowns that might come up. And in the best case scenario or the worst case scenario, getting one project-related task per day is a good outcome. If you aim low, you can always exceed that. And certainly this is really important for your mindset and your sense of how you're going and your likelihood of success. If you can tick a box every day and say, I did that task, you're going to feel way better than expecting too much of yourself and not being able to do it. Which leads me to the next, next thing in, in the list of actually scheduling. Make sure you leave what I call plenty of white space in your calendar. Spare time to allow for unexpected trip-ups. It might be that the website copy review you planned for two hours ends up taking three hours. Or it might be that Something happens in the afternoon, you get a migraine and you have to lie down. If your day is full of back-to-back -back tasks, you have no room for mistakes. So focusing on the one project task per day is the first point, and then leaving some white space so you've got room to finish things off or take longer than you need to. That's the whole process of preparing to plan, drafting a plan, and then scheduling it. It should take about an hour. 
and it'll set you up for getting your job done, your project done seamlessly and easily because you'll know exactly what you need to do and when and there's no more need to make critical decisions on the fly. All you have to do is look at your diary and go, oh, I need to do that. Now, <clears throat> the last stage is implementing the plan and to implement you simply start doing the tasks that you've listed. What I find to be really important and useful is to check in with yourself each week to measure your progress, challenges and wins. You might find that even though you've done all this planning, you may need to reschedule things or rethink the reality of what you're doing. So a plan is as only as good as your ability to review and revise it and your commitment and, and openness and flexibility to doing that. If you stay rigid to the plan and something happens, then you'll feel like a failure. It's way better for you to approach it with flexibility like an experiment and know that you're learning how to get it right. The more you do this, the easier it will become and the fewer mistakes you'll make. And, you know, checking progress means knowing that you're on track and it gives you the ability to revise the future weeks in your plan as necessary. I think what's really important are a couple of things. Firstly, to celebrate your wins and achievements each week as part of your review process. This is a huge part of your motivation. If you're seeing what you have done in your achievements, it's a form of getting results. It's what inspires you and drives you to keep going. And it creates positivity, which is so essential. The other important thing to do is, does this still feel right? Often what happens is, and it sounds really intangible, but I see this with my clients in all sorts of coaching situations. If what you're doing doesn't feel right at any level, then you're subconsciously going to find ways to sabotage yourself. If you're not quite sure it's still what you want to do, if you feel like you're your mindset has gone in another direction, if you stop believing that this is what you really want or that it's going to work for you, pretty soon your mind is going to start generating blocks and you're going to feel like you're a failure. But the better option to, to do is to reflect on how you're feeling as you go, as you work through the project and be flexible and open enough to change your mind and know that that's okay. I hope you found this really useful. If you've got any comments, let me know. Otherwise, thanks for being here and I look forward to seeing you on another day for another episode. Take care and bye for now.